0: firsthand. They gave great weight to where we come to in the story this Sunday in the death of Jesus. So to prepare us for the Lord's Supper this morning, I wanted to tell the story of the Bible that leads us to the night in which he sat with his disciples and partook of the Passover meal. The story of the Bible starts with creation, that God created everything uh, in the universe, but the one thing that he created that was more special than anything else was mankind, the first man and woman who were made in the image of God. And He designed everything else in creation for us to live here and And most importantly to live in a relationship with him so the story of the Bible starts really for us in the Garden of Eden and you'll see that on your notes this morning the handouts at the end of the pews it starts in the Garden of Eden Mm -hmm. the fall the turn in the story happens in Genesis 3 when the first man and woman choose to go their own way And that relationship which God had created them for is broken. As we go on down the story and God begins to deal with that brokenness of sin and our separatedness from him, we come to the life of a man by the name of Abram or Abraham. It takes us from the Garden of Eden to a place of Ur of the Chaldeans in Mesopotamia. But God speaks to Abram, whose name becomes Abraham. Later in the story, and he chooses him, of all the people of the world, to be the one that God will work through. And he 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 makes a covenant with Abraham, and he says that I'm going to give you a land. And so, just in just a moment, the story is going to go to the land of Canaan, the promised land. I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to give you many descendants. And he had zero at that point, and then. Through your descendants, I'm going to bless all the families of the world. God leads Abram, who becomes Abraham, to the land of Canaan. And uh, his family grows several generations there, but eventually famine comes. And God takes care of them by bringing them to Egypt. And so the story moves in location to Egypt. And the descendants of Abraham are there for 430 years But the place of provision became the place of bondage. In 430 years they are slaves to the Egyptians and they begin to cry out to God. And God raises up a deliverer by the name of Moses. And Moses comes back from the land of Midian and he comes to Egypt and he tells Pharaoh to let his people go. Pharaoh won't won't, and God sends 10 plagues to really, force Pharaoh's hand. The last of those plagues is the death of the firstborn. This story is huge in the story of redemption. Um, God says there's going to be a night, and the death angel is going to come, and the death angel is going to take all of the firstborn. You need to make a mental, spiritual note about. The death of the firstborn. And uh, this is the way the story is told. I'm going to read a couple scriptures. Um, And it says in Exodus chapter 12. You know what, Nathan, what occurs to me, I don't know what scriptures you have. I think I wrote down four, it should be through fourteen. This may not be on the screens, that's all right. that's my bad. I've made it all the way to August before I made a mistake this year. (sighs) Not true. This is what the story, this is how the story is recorded. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt saying, this month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you speak to all the congregation of Israel saying on the 10th of this month every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father a lamb for a household and if the household is too small for the lamb let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of persons according to each man's need you shall make your count for the lamb your lamb shall be without blemish a male of the first year you may take it from the sheep or from the goats now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight and they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the house where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw nor boiled at all with water, but roast it in fire, its head with its legs and entrails. You shall let none of it remain until morning. And what remains of it until morning you shall burn with fire. And thus you you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. He explains that. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night, And will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now, the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. The children of Israel did what God told them to do and that night God delivered them out of their bondage of Egypt and they fled and the story takes us into the wilderness of Sinai and eventually to Mount Sinai and there God meets fifty days later seven weeks he meets with the children of Israel and Moses on top of the mountain and Aaron and he gives them his law to reveal his character and he gives them instruction to build a tabernacle, a tent, where they will come and worship. The tabernacle will also be a place of sacrifice where animals will be sacrificed and the blood will be put on an altar to cover their sins. He also gave them instructions about feasts. Three times a year they would gather for a special feast. The first of those would be Passover in the spring of the year. Fifty days later, which is where they are at, when they are at Mount Sinai, it will be the Feast of Pentecost that commemorates God coming and giving the law. And then in the fall of the year, there will be the Feast of Tabernacles. <sighs> oh my, we're going to have to talk about that someday. Three feast, And God set up part of the people, the tribe of Levi and the, the family of Aaron, to be priests. To help them in their worship and there's more to the story they have to wander for 40 years but they end up in the promised land and Joseph takes them, uh, Joshua takes them across into the land of promise and they settle in that land the land of Canaan so the story comes back to the land of Canaan and there they settle the land they conquer the land and settle it and God raises up for them leaders first judges and then kings The second of the king becomes the king of all kings, the great king, King David, a man after God's own heart. And David, instead of God being worshiped in a tent, said, God, you ought to be worshiped in a house. That was on his heart. But God said, you're not the man. Your son will do that. But I want you to know I'm going to make a covenant with you. And instead of you building a house for me, I'm going to build your house. And I want you to know in your lineage, there is one who is coming at this point we'll simply call the son of david and all the kings were anointed he will be the anointed one that one in your line will be the king that sets up a forever kingdom and they began to look for that day in which one even greater than david would come the anointed one or in Hebrew, Messiah. And after David, yes, there were kings, but God would also raise up prophets. And the prophets began to give more detail about this Messiah who was coming. And yes, there's prophecies about where he's to be born and and those kind of things. But one of the things the prophets invariably came back to were details about his death. Wow, it's kind of strange. <laughs> You're thinking about the great one who's coming. But invariably when, they, when God gave them a vision of who he was and what he would do, they talked more than anything else about his death. The last of those prophets, the last of the Old Testament was Malachi. And Malachi's last words before there was 400 years of silence was that there is going to be one who comes... Before the Messiah comes. And he is the Elijah who is to come. And he will announce the Messiah. 400 years later, as the prophecy was, a voice crying in the wilderness, John the Baptist stands to announce, Jesus of Nazareth, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, yes, tell the story of Jesus' birth, most of them, some of them, two of them. They all talk about John the Baptist, the forerunner, the one who was to announce the coming of the Lord. And then they talked about two aspects of Jesus' three-year ministry, his teaching and his miracles, which we looked at last Sunday were his signs to prove his deity. But as I shared earlier, a third of their Gospels at the end were dedicated to the last seven days. Wow. Because it was huge in significance. I had to write a paper in seminary, and so I regurgitated some of that on your sheet about the last seven days and the things that happened. Hey, if I had to suffer through it, you have to suffer through it now. So on your sheet, the details, when you compile Matthew, Mark, and Luke primarily, but also John, what happened? And you, you can piece it together. On that Sunday, he, he came in in his triumphal entry, and uh, I'm not looking at my sheet, but Monday, he cl- cleanses the temple. I believe he curses the, the fig tree, and, or the fig tree dies, and he, he teaches parables, and Uh, Tuesday, he has confrontation and he teaches. He has confrontation with all the different religious leaders. Everyone who had stood against Jesus, boom. We're going to have one final confrontation. Wednesday is the silent day. Thursday, he sends John and Peter to prepare the upper room for the Passover meal. As the Jewish people, they had celebrated it for generations. There was a scripted story and observance of the Passover meal that they had celebrated for generations and generations and generations. One of the things that Jesus was doing was preparing his people, his his disciples, to understand what was about to happen. Uh, And even days before this, and so here's my sense. Jesus, on that night, wanted them to know what was coming. Years later, they looked back and they said, wait a second, he had been telling us this. In Matthew chapter 20, the days before this, right before the triumphal entry, uh, Matthew records this. It's also in Mark and Luke. Matthew 20, 17, 18, and 19. Now Jesus, going up to Jerusalem, took the twelve disciples aside on the road and said to them, Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priest and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles, the Romans, to mock and to scourge and to crucify. And the third day he will rise again. Jesus, the days before this, told his disciples that. And I believe in that upper room that night as they took the Passover meal, the day before he was to die, he wanted them to understand not only that he would die that next day, but that what it signified, what his death would mean. Paul wrote later to the Corinthians in 1st Corinthians 11 that this is the story and we could have wrote it read it from Matthew Mark or Luke but in Paul's account in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 23 he said for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread Centuries before, on that night, they had killed the Passover lamb and they had put the blood on their doorpost. And when the death angel came and saw the blood, they passed over. When God saw the blood, his judgment passed over their lives and the firstborn was not taken. Centuries later, God sent his one and only son, to die on a cross, to be that lamb that was slain. And Jesus that night said, understand, when I break this bread, this is not about the past. This is about the future. Because I am about, my body is about to be broken for you. And I don't understand that as a human being. That Jesus, in God's scheme of things, had to suffer for our sins, but he also took the cup that night, and he, uh, he said, <laughs> you may think this is about the blood the, of the lamb in the past, but this is about my blood that will be shed tomorrow, and that he would die for the sins of all people of all time. Here's the point. Through Jesus' suffering and shed blood God's judgment will pass over us and the night before before everything broke loose and they didn't have their bearings Jesus said I want you to know what this is all about and why his sacrifice would fulfill All of the Old Testament. I don't even have time this morning. (laughs) The sacrifices. His sacrifice on the cross would fulfill all the Old Testament and would be the payment for our sins, that our sins might be covered, that when God sees the blood and the brokenness of Jesus that we've received into our life, that the judgment of death would pass over. And Jesus said from now on, and here we are 2,000 years later, he said, no, if you're a follower of mine, this is not about the past, this is about the future. I don't ever want you to forget what I had to do to cover your sins. And so the Lord's Supper is what we call, some churches call it communion, uh, is a memorial. It even, yes, it deals for us 2,000 years ago of what Jesus did, projects forward that as a family, someday we will, you push it all the way out to the book of Revelation, we will sit around at the wedding supper of the Lamb around a table of a banquet, That's what glory, part of what glory will be. And so I love it how, he, how Paul closes in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. 26 he says for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. That's what we do this morning. Many of us Have already chosen to say I I want by faith to have the blood of Christ placed on my life which secures my eternity that's a decision you haven't made that's the reason we partly the reason we have this today is that we would all know where our salvation comes from and how we are able to be made right with God amen amen Amen. I'm gonna ask the deacons to come forward to Uh, Pass out the elements. Brother Ted, would you lead us in prayer as we receive the bread? On that night, Jesus said, take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. The regiment of the Jewish Passover had a number of cups that they drank. But uh, the gospel writers make it very clear that after they had taken the bread, that the cup after that that Jesus spoke about uh, his blood that would be shed for them Uh, from the time of Moses it was always through the shedding of blood that sins were forgiven and so Jesus said that from that day forward that the cup of that wine would be a symbol of his blood that would be shed. Brother Sean, would you lead us in prayer? Father please. Jesus said, take, drink of it, all of you. This is my blood, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. And all God's people said, amen, amen. amen. Um, I'm going to ask Byron, thank you. I'm going to ask Byron to come and stand too. And um, If you'll stand. Uh, I want you to know that um, we started... January, looking at the whole story of the Bible, and eight months later we come to the climax. Now, I'm still encouraging you to come back for the next four months. Don't get me wrong on this. There's more to the story, but really the peak, the climax of the climax of the climax is the death of Jesus. It is so significant that next week we're going to have to talk about the crucifixion, the cross, Uh, but um, I want you to know that this is what the story is about. Jesus died not as a way of salvation. Jesus' death is the only way of salvation. Your eternity can only be secured by the blood of Jesus, that one sacrifice of God himself as a lamb without any blemish, the perfect lamb of God your story can only make sense when that story becomes a part of your story and this morning we want to give you an opportunity to do that to say I understand and God is impressed it upon my heart and today I choose to ask God for the blood of his son to cover my sins and make me whole and secure my eternity and so we uh, Byron and I are at the front, you can talk with us later, you can talk to somebody else but this is what it's about and your story can only make sense as God's story becomes a part of your story, let's sing